Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. I'm your host, Captain Judd Brock, and today I sit down with Captain Trevor Kusha of South Padre Island, Texas. We talk about some of his favorite sight fishing tactics and lures, as well as how to wade fish for redfish. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you will be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast, as well as some video content that you can't find on YouTube. Well, I hope you all enjoy the episode. We're excited to announce the Eastern Current Online Angler Series that will be kicking off this spring with a three-tournament, artificial-only redfish series. You can fish all three tournaments in the series or just one. The tournaments will be hosted through the iAngler app and you can participate from any state. The first tournament will be March 24th and 25th with an online captain's meeting the night before hosted through our Facebook page. The redfish tournament will consist of your longest three redfish per day under 32 inches. This is just the start to our online angler series and we're excited to bring you many more tournaments for redfish, speckled trout, flounder, and more. If you're interested in fishing the Spring Redfish Trail, be sure to stay tuned as we will be bringing you registration information next week, April 14th, as well as a link to the full list of tournament rules and regulations. Feel free to reach out to us on Instagram as well, and if you have any questions between now and then, we're here to answer them. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide Kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Trevor, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. Excited to have you on. Uh, South Padre Island, that southern part of the Texas coast, has always really intrigued me. So excited to chat with you. But thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Judd. I appreciate you having me on here, dude. It's uh pretty excited about it heck yeah man i'm excited as well i've i saw your content on instagram actually a buddy tagged me and so i think it was a 
I can't remember if it was one of your like slow-mo topwater eats or tailing redfish or something, but I was like, oh my gosh, as soon as I clicked over on your page, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm t- messaging him right now to get him on the podcast. <laughs> just, just from the content, oh, yeah. like the appreciation of that, the way redfish act like that and the taking the time to film them as opposed to catch them. You know, it's someone who's going to have some knowledge about it and you can kind of tell it'll be a good conversation ahead of time. So, um, but yeah, why don't you tell people who you are, where you're located, uh, and kind of your, your fishing testimony, if you will, how your life story of fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my name's Trevor Kusha. I'm actually, a, a beginner guide down here in South Padre. I just recently got my, uh, captain's license, last summer so about a year ago and i've been fishing the texas coast for about seven eight years and uh before we, before i moved to the coast uh my grandfather would always take my brother and i out to falcon lake which is a a pretty big uh pretty big lake down here on the on the on the texas side and uh you know from from about four years old to to about 12 13 my grandfather would take us out of the house every weekend and take my brother and I bass fishing and you know I think that's where I learned to pick up my love for fishing and just my love for the outdoors he kind of showed us the way in and you know as he started getting a little older and a little less uh mobile I guess we we decided to make a little change and and try saltwater fishing and and you know when we first started saltwater fishing we were some bait throwers mainly artificial but for my grandfather's sake we throw bait and and lures and and hang out and uh and uh, pretty much so when we first started in, in, in saltwater fishing, we would go out with our other buddies or my dad's friends that had yeah. a boat and started to learn the bay system that way. And, you know, as, as time went on, my, my father started noticing that I had a real big passion for the saltwater angler fish and stuff. And uh, he's like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in you guys and I'm going to buy you a little 13.6 a dartle scooter it's a little flat boat and he knew that you know whenever we went out there i was always the type that like i would stand on the ice chest trying to look for my fish and Heck yeah. and he always noticed i had an had an eye for it and so we went ahead and put a big old tower an eight foot tower on our 13 foot boat <laughs> and awesome. uh, that that's where our our, uh, our our start of bay fishing went on man that's that's such a cool story it's it's sweet to you know have a father like yours that's how I was that that was passionate about providing the experience as a kid get you know creating or, or creating the ability for a, a kid to fall in love with the outdoors and, and to fish and whatnot so that's always a a, a huge plus man and, and something that I really want to do for my boys um, is provide the opportunity you know you know they don't have to love the outdoors but I want them to have every chance to to love the outdoors and be able to choose it for themselves. But, um, it's such a cool area. I'm like scrolling around while you're talking, looking at the map. Um, so what would you call, what, what area do you fish? Is it South Padre Island would be like, if someone was trying to Google where you fish, that's what they would type in. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so my, my, my range of fishing goes all the way from South Padre Island to Port Mansfield. Okay. And I kind of just promoted as South Padre Island because come you know when when busy season comes it's mainly summertime right and and usually i'll get a bunch of people a family coming in from out of town and and south Padres the destination spot you know there's a royal city in port mansfield and it's more or less a fishing town port mansfield and arroyo okay and it's not more for family oriented south padre you know has the restaurants the bars okay. yeah you know the turtle watches so um 
So I run out of there, but usually whenever I go fishing and I have clients out of South Padre, I'll usually take a 25 minute boat ride up north near the Arroyo area. And that's where I, uh, that's where I tend to catch most of my fish. Okay, sweet, man. I'm, it's just, it's crazy how treacherous looking so much of that stuff is to run. <laughs> like, all you the, know, all... can, I, can I be honest? Yeah. As, as treacherous as it may look on our, uh, on Google maps. I, I would say our base system is very forgiving. Is it really? That's awesome. Yeah. So from from what I've what I've heard from other places like uh, Port Aransas or Corpus or uh, Galveston Bay, you know, where you're dealing with oyster bars, bunch of sandbars, um, bunch of stuff underneath the surface. You know, I cruising the flat for enough time. There's only there's only maybe three sandbars that you'd have to worry about, and they're they're pretty obvious. So. Yeah. It's, uh, we're pretty fortunate to have such a good base system down here. So being that far south on the Texas coast, do you have snook on a regular basis or those fish that you bump into? Actually, so when we go snook fishing, I, I, I specifically go with, with two buddies in specific, Trey Micklick and Carlos Reyes, some of my old good time buddies. Um, uh, in order to catch your, your snook down here on, in South Padre, you, you pretty much need a trolley motor, uh, only because from the South Padre Bridge, anywhere further north is going to be a little bit difficult to catch fish, only because our water salinity is so high yeah. that it's it's very hard for you know a snook or tarpon to push into the flat because it's so salty. But where we catch our snook is in the uh, is in the Brownsville Ship Channel, and it's just on the uh, jetty inlet. So there's a nice path for those snook to go. From inland to the Brownsville Ship Channel, out towards the jetties and the deeper water. Okay, cool. When they make their run, that's awesome. That's uh, yeah. it, you don't think of that as being a fish in in nor or in the United States anywhere other than Florida, but but I always forget that Texas does uh, have snook in we're, certain areas. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty fortunate. I I do wish you know I need to spend more time looking at tarpon. We we have some tarpon roll in, but you you got to have the 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 experience and the little the secret tips you know to hook them down there right for sure for sure so so to walk me through what uh what you're looking for in areas to redfish down there like as far as sight fishing goes like what are key features you know on the bottom key types like what are you looking for in a flat or an area that might hold redfish so how i how i base my day off of is i i gotta i consider my style of fishing madness that i feel like there's a method to my madness <laughs> um so usually when i go out I'll, before i go out on the water i'll look at my fishing points and i'll check first i'll check my tidal movement see whether if i'm having a low tide in the morning that's going to rip out all day or if i have a low tide that's going to push water in all day and that'll kind of more or less tell me where i need to be but when i'm once i figure out you know okay i have i have a high tide at 7 a.m and it's going to be ripping out all day I didn't have very much moonlight and, you know, winds are 10, 15 out of the south. I'll usually run up north 10, 15 miles. And I have this, this little system to where, you know, I've kind of figured out points where if I have a south wind with high tide, they're probably going to be pushed up here specifically on this west side. And usually I'll look for, I'll look for nice potholes covered by grassy areas that have kind of an in and out either not a gut, but a little drop off where they have an escape towards deeper water yep. to come out of the channel in and feed. So 
That's awesome. So you're looking for the? Uh, are they using those potholes as like ambush areas? Those fish will kind of stage up in there, and and is that an ambush area, or, or what? What do you think draws them to those potholes? Usually, usually, what I see is if we have a wind out of the south, there's a grass bed, correct? Right. I'll see that that fish is posted up on the opposite side of that wind line, so they're getting protection from wind. But at the same time, as they're sitting on the other side of that grass bed. I feel like they're waiting for that bait to be pushed by the wind over that grass bed, and that's where they come up and strike the lure. Because that's where I've seen where I've gotten my most bites out of, is when I'm sitting on my tower and I'm drifting through a flat, and I'm on a, a pothole area, and I'm, I'm noticing I've got a fish at 1 o'clock facing away, sitting behind a grass bed, and that's where I find that most of my fish are going to eat, is when they're sitting like that facing away towards the wind. Yeah, that's awesome. I had a buddy uh, from the Keys. I was talking to him one time about we were discussing pothole. I think we we're talking about snook or something like that. But he he related it uh, to you know if you're just imagine you're in a dark area and you immediately walk out into a very light colored area, a bright room or a sunny area. You're, it takes your, a second for your eyes to adjust. And he he's a big tarpon at fly angler, and so he was talking about how those fish. Uh, you know, or when the bait comes across into that white sand, it gets a little bit disoriented because it gets so much brighter so quickly and it, ma- mm-hmm. it makes it easier for a predatorial fish that's sitting there whose eyes have already adjusted to the brighter light to, you know, take advantage of a bait fish that just all of a sudden got disoriented. And I was like, man, that is thinking really deep, well, but, but it's yeah. like, it, it, it makes sense when you think about it. It's like, that, I would have never put that, that together myself. Some, uh, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, and I think a lot, I mean, that's, yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If the bait comes across the pothole and the fish is in, he's probably going to eat it, whether the bait's disoriented or not. But um, yeah. do you all do a good bit of wade fishing for your uh, for your redfish as well, or is most of that from the tower? You know, I, I got to be honest, like when I do my pre-planning in the morning, if I notice, you know, there, there's there's a couple things that come into play before, before I take, you know, clients out or, or friends or whatnot. Is one I'll look at I'll look at sun whether we're going to have overcast skies or good wind for sight casting, but I, but I will say if you're in a concentrated area, wade fishing is the most prime thing to do down here, only because you're able to work your area so much better. Yeah, and you're able to you know what we call work the clock. You know, shoot from nine o'clock, get a couple casts in at every number, and then take a couple steps to make sure you're not missing most of those fish and. You know, I, I've actually realized um, whenever I go side casting, and man, we're we're really heavy in them, and so my little boat doesn't have a power pole, so I unfortunately can't throw down a pole and, and weight it. And so, for example, let me let me bring up a little example. Me and my father went fishing. Was it last weekend? And uh, we went Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday, I was like, "Hey, Dad, let's you know hop up on the tower." Uh, let's just try to side cast, you know, hang out, kick it out and fish. And we pull up into this flat. It's a little cove and uh, nice pothole water. And nice, I think there's two guts that lead out. And we're side casting and boom, one to the left, one to the right, two here, four here, three over there. And I'm like, damn, you know, we're, we're picking one up every, every five, ten minutes. And yeah. it was a really good day. And, you know, I think we ended up with like maybe seven redfish in total for the day. And, came the end of the day and I'm like, you know what, dad, I was like, you know, I, I really feel, you know, we blew back, we, we blew past so many fish 
if we were to weigh that, I guarantee you we would absolutely tear him up. And he's like, you know what, let's let's go out there tomorrow. Let's let's go try waiting that same spot. And sure enough, we pull out there the same spot, same time the next day. And I, I'm not even kidding you, Judd. I think we picked up at least 25, 30 redfish. Golly. And I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just you're able, you're able to, especially when you're when you're side casting and you go over a flat. Once you spook that fish, he's probably going to go 50, 75 yards off once he sees that boat. Right. And when you're when you're wade fishing, you know, when you bring in one, that fish just thinks it's either he's rattling up bait, he's chasing bait, you know, he doesn't know that he's actually hooked. And so sometimes we've, we've seen it where we're wade fishing and, you know, our buddy will be hooked up with a red and this, this red will be splashing out trying to shake the hook. And these other two that were with him, see him going crazy and i kid you not they will literally follow him and they will try to pull the lure out of the redfish's mouth trying that, to fight for it that's awesome it, it, it is yeah. it is such a good point to bring up that like it you can such you can really just cover an area so well wade fishing but you said it well when you were like it's got it does have to be a high concentration area like if you're going to really slow down it's like you got to find that fine line. Like, are there enough fish here to take the time to really milk it, or is it a spot that we should kind of work through pretty quickly, drift or troll motor through and fish? So, um, it, exactly. And I think one of the benefits that y'all have to wade fishing is the fact that you have the potholes and the the grass, like stuff that's targetable and visible from foot that we don't really have here in North Carolina. So, like, it, it would be hard to, and a lot of our bottom is like crazy pluff mud so it's really hard to walk in a lot of oysters mixed in you'll sink down to your knee um so <laughs> you can't really walk in it but there's all it's also hard to kind of dial in maybe a productive cast as you're you know down on the water so is that are you are you just going like one o'clock two o'clock three o'clock four o'clock are you kind of walking hitting those potholes in productive looking areas when you're waiting yeah, so, so when when we go wade fishing in specific, usually when, when I set up a line of guys, we usually we average about four guys a wade trip. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell them, hey, guys, spread out about 10, 20 yards apart. And when you're walking, I usually tell them, I'm like, hey, guys, look at your watch. Look at your 10 o'clock. Throw one class at 10 o'clock at 11, one at 12, one at 2, one at 3. If you don't get any bites, take 10, 15 steps into the next couple potholes and keep working them. And then usually that's how we will pick them up. And if, you know, I notice, hey, look, one – with, I'll usually tell by the way I'm fishing, you know, I'll, I'll work it real slow off the bottom, see if they want that slow hit, or I'll, I'll sometimes just straight retrieve on top and see if they're looking for that reaction bite. And from there, I'll kind of decide, hey, guys, you know, put on an eighth ounce, work that bottom in. Once you get into that pothole, drop it into that pothole, give it two bumps, and then reel it out and then work for the next one. Yep. And I, I found that that's the most productive way it's fishing. Yeah, they're so reactionary. It's like it's going to happen pretty quick if they see it and and yeah. have the ability to eat it. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, 
or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. So what are what are some of the the baits that you like to throw? Because I've I've seen a lot of soft plastics down. Like there was one bait I was seeing in one of your videos. It's real darty. Um, that you were I think it was like a overhead shot of you throwing that to one a single redfish. redfish that wasn't moving. Yeah, what was that bait that you were throwing there? <laughs> that's uh that's a K Wiggler ball tail. Okay. Um, it's uh it's a company out of Alvin, Texas. Um, a great group of anglers and. I'd say a really professional group, you know, we got, we got a great group of guys, but, uh, Kay Wiggler has a, a very versatile bait. We have our, our four inch paddle tail. We have our, uh, our four inch ball tail, which is that dart shad. We have a wigglow, which is more like a skinny long paddle tail. Okay. But my, my preferred preference whenever I'm fishing and I, the one that I found that I get the most bites with is uh Kay Wiggler Bart Sand Ninja. It's okay. a it's a uh, cream bottom with an orange top that has uh, silver and gold flakes on it, and man, I, I think it's just the the natural colors, the colorway of that lure that just I I, I honestly I, I can only tell you I've probably only got turned down from that lure maybe a good two handful of times. I'm not even kidding. That's awesome. Is there is there a profile that you like in that color or any of the profiles in that color? Uh, actually any, any color scheme of that Bart Sand Ninja, the K wig is when I throw guys in the water, when I have them on a tower, um, Larry, the owner of K Wigglers, he knows I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. I literally, every time I put some in the water, <laughs> I tell him, here you go. You can put this color on first. If it doesn't work out, then feel free to change it. But you know what? I've, I've come to see you see whenever they put on that color, we've, we've always had pretty good days. Heck yeah. It's cool to uh, it's cool to see um, you know different colors be productive and so much of it too. I mean, colors are so important. They can be so important. They're not always important, but they can be so important. But I feel like a lot of it too is is the confidence of it. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, for sure. Are are you superstitious on your colorways? Are you uh, are you superstitious at all on your colorways? Man, I'm really not. I mean, I've got the colors that I that I tend to. Th- I mean, I've got a million different soft plastics and colors, and yeah, like so. I have these like shoe boxes here beside me that have tons of different soft plastics in them that I've purchased and never opened because it's like, oh, that looks good. And then I still just tend to throw like the same four colors. You know what I mean? And so they just go in this box, and every once in a while I'll break them out. But um, sounds like sounds like we're in the same club there. Yeah, for sure. I like so I fish a lot of Z-Man products, and I really like. Uh, there's a red bone color. That's probably what I go to the most. And then it's a CA Richardson color in Z-Man. It's, it's a, uh, beer run, which is like a, a clear white with some clear and some gold flake in it. Uh, and those tend to do pretty well up here, but orange is something I fish so much in hard baits. Like I love orange and hard baits, but I rarely ever throw any orange soft plastics. And I don't know why that is. Uh, but like, I love the, you know, the 808, any type of the Marilu or 808 or top waters and even just yeah. all orange top waters. But is that a pretty popular color in Texas overall? Something with some orange in it, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd say what, from what I've noticed, a lot of our uh, hard baits or top waters 
Actually, I, I've noticed a lot of them have a front orange lip. They have it like under that jawline of, yeah. of a top water. And, uh, you know, I think it's just that, that, like you said, that orange colorway just really ticks them off. Yeah, I think it does, man. I, it's like a aggression striking color, <laughs> like pisses yeah. them off a little bit. <laughs> so one thing that we were talking about before we started recording, but I've noticed <laughs> is so popular down in Texas and, and I will still see people throwing spinning rods, but bait casters are, are super. And I like to fish a bait caster as well, but coming from someone from Texas who's grown up fishing the Texas coast, what is the big draw and drawback to spinning rods and, and, and bait casters as far as a saltwater fishing as far as like inshore saltwater fishing goes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So usually I, I have a, a real set in stone plan for my style of fishing. So whenever I'm doing my sight casting or if I'm chasing tails or if I'm doing any type of visual fishing, I'm always going to go with my bait caster o- only because whenever, whenever I'm sight casting fish, the, the, whenever you fish with a bait caster, you know, you don't have that, that lag from flipping your bail over or, right. or trying to catch up that slack. You know, when you're throwing a bait caster, you have your thumb on your spool at all times. So let's just say you got a fish one o'clock at, at 20 feet, 30 feet, you know, and you throw right over him. You, you, at any point you can just thumb it and stop it right where you want instead right. of spinning rod where you kind of have to throw at a certain distance, click your spool and then reel it up to him. I've just come to notice, and actually, I was all spinning rods or spinning reels until I would say maybe about four four years ago, okay. and it was mainly because whenever I first started getting to this the photography and videoing and all that stuff, you know, I'd go out by myself, go look for fish, you know, just try to learn the bay, and I would always try to do my little one-handed videos, and I found that it was really really hard to do one-handed videos with the spinning rod only because you can't hold it and flip the bail and all that. Right, right, right. And I, I just found out that, you know, with a, with a bait caster, I I literally, I'm the most accurate I could ever be with the bait caster. And spinning rods more for whenever we're waiting or whenever I'm trying to just get the lure way out there and work an area. That's the best thing. The, the drawback from a bait caster is, is one, you have to worry about you know, bird's nest. Um, you have to worry about getting your reel dialed in right because if you don't have it on the right drag or the right bearing system, you know, you may not get the distance you want. Right. And that, that also tends to you losing, you know, maybe a little bit of fish here and there because you're not able to work the area good. For sure. For sure. The one thing I've always loved about them too, you're talking about be, always having your thumb on the spool, is the ability to land a bait really soft if you need to. Like for spooky yep. fish or land it a little bit closer because you can slow it down as it's approaching the water, which you can kind of do with a spin rod, you know, with your left hand pinching that line, but definitely not as easy as, as thumbing that spool a little bit and slowing it down. So It comes off a little smoother. A little smoother for the spooky fish, but yeah, the, the bait casters are very fun, but we don't, it's just, it seems like there's guys that fish them here, but Texas, man, te- and not even really, I saw, when I used to guide in Louisiana, I would see people fish bait casters there, but nothing like I see in Texas. I mean, the majority of people are fishing bait casters. Is that something that's pretty evident in the trout world down there too? A lot of bait caster fishing or more spin rods? You know, actually from, from, from what I've been seeing is that it's, it's, I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, but I, I feel like all the, all the not pro fishermen, but the more experienced fishermen that tend to fish bait casters only because I feel like when you're working a, a real grassy area, you maybe have 
four or five inches of water between, you know, the top of the water line and your grass line to keep that bait above that grass line. Yeah. I feel like your cadence and the way you work your reel up with a, with a bait caster for some reason gets me out of the grass a little more. Okay, sweet. That makes sense. Yeah, that that's really cool. So if the grass is that high, that close to the surface, when the potholes, is that where it kind of, is that why those fish are drawn to that as well? Because it kind of drops off and gives them a little bit more depth? Yeah, yeah. Because cool. our bait system is, is, is pretty shallow for the most part. Like on average tide, I think the average depth of our bait system is, is probably around two feet. Okay. Two to three feet. And, you know, of course we have those, those generally deeper part of the base system but our flats for the most part are no deeper than a foot and a half two feet okay how much tide movement do you have there if you get like a, an actual like not not affected by the wind at all but just like a full-on moon tide what is what kind of movement do you have <laughs> it is brutal down here our tidal movement for example this this actually this past weekend uh you know I, I, business is a little slow for for me right now so i i like to take my dad out and catching some fish and Went and checked the charts, and, you know, it said that the tide was supposed to be, I think, a half a foot over regular tide, and we were working with a full moon, and, you know, the tide didn't look that low, but, you know, I went to sleep, woke up, and at the dock, it didn't look that shallow, but when we got up to the uh, to the flat, I, I kid you not, I think three, three of our flats that are always holding fish were completely bone dry. Oh, man. It makes it yeah, tough to fish. Yeah, so... Yeah, we, we had a tough weekend last weekend only because of that. You know, full moon, low tide. I I had a we found a, a really concentrated amount of fish, but I think they were just all 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 full from last night from yeah. that night feeding. For sure. And sometimes I've noticed too, like they they'll get boogered up sometimes when you get those big tides and a lot of them pile into like a, an area that have, but they've had to move a bunch to find water. I've had trouble yeah. getting fish to eat when it's like that. You know, when they Yeah, that's that's the case then. Yeah, they just are like, all right. I just want to get back to back to normal. I'm going to feed when I get back to normal. I'm not going to feed in this in this hole with a thousand other redfish in it. But um, yeah, and another thing that adds on to the to the difficulty of that is we know whenever you have low tide, everyone that has a boat down here is going to find that one place that's holding some sort of water. And that weekend, I think I counted about 15 boats all in the same spot. Wow. And. I was like, you know what? I was like, hey, we're not doing too well. I was like, let's go run around and look for some fish. I drove 30, 45 minutes, and I just couldn't find any fish like I was on earlier. And I think a lot has to do with the pressure on them, too, of the 15 boats zipping back and forth, doing donuts around you. and Everything just gets real scooped up. So what is the pressure like down there? Like how many other boats will you see out red fishing in the morning if it's a nice day or can you, is there enough water down there that you can kind of get away from it, from the busyness? You know, I'm really, I'm really kind of sad about it, but we're starting to see tremendous growth in, uh, in our boat population down here. And it's kind of unfortunate, you know, we have, uh, on an average day, I'd, I'd venture to say I see about 25 on fr- Friday through Sundays. I'll see about 25, 30 boats out in the day. And I've found some spots, you know, where you can tuck away and hide away and you'll, we'll get on some fish. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's about being the, that early bird and getting to that spot first for the most part. Cause for, usually if, if, you know, there's typically on a, on a normal, on a normal week, there'll be about four or five spots that are 
going to be holding fish. And if you're not tucked away in there holding your spot, more than likely either one of boats ran through and torn it up or, or three, you're going to have guys already around that spot. Yeah. I gotcha. So what, yeah. what does, uh, what does a day of fishing look like there? Like, are, are you targeting redfish mostly the whole time or you do a little bit of mixing it up, trout fishing or, um, you know, if, if someone were to book a trip with you, what, what would a, a day of fishing look like? Yeah. So we'll start off in the morning. Um, usually if, if we're wait or if waiting or drifting salt, I'll give you both examples. If I'm having drift fishermen for the first part of the morning, when the sun's coming up, you know, I'll, I'll hit a couple of my trout spots where if the current's ripping, you know, I'm going to be by a channel edge or by a drop off. And, you know, we'll, we'll throw, if they're, if they're really familiar around a rod, we'll, we'll throw artificial. That's my, that's my main specialty, you know? And so we'll work that for trout in the morning. And as the day, as the sun goes on, we'll start looking for redfish when the sun comes up where I can see them and find them where they're at. And we'll go ahead and we'll work that area real good. And, you know, if we got a limited trout, a limited red, or if we have a few of each, um, we'll go hit uh, some some drop offs some channel edges for some flounder too, and we'll throw a little quarter ounce or a three sixteenth ounce on, uh, and uh, we'll work that that bottom edge for flounder real good. Heck yeah! And, and usually it doesn't happen very often, but I'll get a couple people that you know just want to go out there for a good time, go drink some beer, chunk some bait, and just you know just enjoy the the, the time out there. For sure. And. And then, of course, I have my weight fishermen. And usually, when I have my weight fishermen, they'll they'll have a little mindset about what they kind of what they want to catch or what they want to do. And so I have some guys like, hey, you know, we want to we want to weight fish and then side cast. And okay, perfect. So we'll go weight fish in the morning, pick up a couple fish, do what we can, and then as that sun comes up and if weather permits, you know, I'll tell the guys, hey, you guys tired? You guys want to side cast? Put them up on the tower and go look for some fish and we got a couple beer holders up there and they just sit back and have a good time and just side cast this. I'll stand up on that ice chest behind them and, you know, here you got a fish two o'clock, 30 feet away. And, you know, I've, from the, from the couple times that I've taken people side casting, you know, that haven't experienced it, man, they couldn't get enough of it. Oh yeah. It's, it's like, where has this been my whole life? As soon as you experience yeah. it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once, once the visual aspect, it's just, yeah, it's hard to go back. It's fun. It, it adds the hunt into the fishing. So it's like you get b- the best of both worlds. And that I think what's so addicting is like that moment that the fish that you're seeing becomes a fish in your mind. You're like, oh, that looks like, oh, yeah, that's a fish. You know, like that transition of like, is that a fish? And then, oh, shoot, I'm casting at it. <laughs> it's, it's such yeah. an addicting feeling like that. That's, you know, realizing it's actually a fish. I don't even know how to put it into words exactly. But yeah. It happens sometimes, Judd, where I've, I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, dude, there's got to be a fish around this corner. And you're already just envisioning it. And sure enough, it's just next second, you know, you look up and you're like, oh, damn, there's a there's a fish right there. All right. <laughs> right. It happened today. I was like, man, those look, I, I there's, we get this stuff we call snot grass in the winter. It's like this green matted grass on the bottom. And you get a couple yeah, of warm, we, warm days, it'll start to like lift up off the bottom. And uh-huh. it oftentimes looks like, of fish you know if you got a chunk coming up and so we drifted through an area and there was a couple spots like that and i was like man those that those couple uh pieces of snotgrass those they look a lot more like redfish and then i just bumped right into it It was definitely five redfish sitting there that i had just written off as (laughs) as snotgrass because i had just seen so much snotgrass the five minutes before but it's uh it's what were you saying I was gonna say actually you know it's funny i didn't know you guys had that that snotgrass up there and, and where you're at 
because uh, we have that. We have Snotgrass, but it's only in – so we've got three main, I guess, flats. It's Peyton's Bay, Rattlesnake Bay, and Cullen Bay. Okay. And in Peyton's Bay, which is on the north end near Port Mansfield, we have that Snotgrass. And uh you that, that sent me the video or commented on it, but we're, uh, I was getting pulled around. And I think you said nice seagrass or something. I, it might have been a different account, but uh, but that's where we find most of our tailing fish is in that snot grass. Oh, is it? Heck yeah! And do you have yeah. do you have turtle grass down there as well, or is that eel grass that you the ta- like the more actual bushy grass? Yeah, yeah, we we got turtle grass, and it's it's actually more on the south end. So from like Rattlesnake Bay, which is the middle section near Royal City, uh-huh. from there south is is for the most part all turtle grass. That's awesome. Yeah, that snotgrass, man, is such a pain to fish in this time of year when <laughs> when it gets off the bottom of it. I mean, no matter what kind of jig head you put on, you're gonna it just gets grass around it if you contact right. them too just much. Right, on the line. So, from your standpoint, fishing from a tower and wade fishing a good bit, what would be your your best tips for someone that wanted to go out in Texas or anywhere and try to sight fish? Like, what would how would you point someone in the right direction for that? I'm not saying like where to go. I'm just talking about yeah how to prepare themselves to sight fish. Yeah. Yeah. So usually my, my main things before I get ready to go out on a sight casting day is one, I find it most, um, efficient. If I have a quarter ounce jig head on a two quarter ounce jig head with any type of lure you prefer, it doesn't matter. But I, I just feel like a quarter ounce whenever you're sight casting is the most beneficial one because you get your sight, you get your distance when you're throwing and two, I've, I've come to notice whenever I'm side casting with a quarter ounce, whenever that lure drops down faster, it kind of gives it that, that imitation that that bait's dead. Yeah. Instead of, let's say you're throwing a 16 pound where you throw it and it kind of just floats on top and you're not giving it, you know, that up down kind of darting action. For sure. Like a trying to get away. That's the most beneficial thing. But when I, when I go out and side cast, the main things I'm looking for is, you know, if I, if I, if I'm going out with a mindset of, Hey, I'm not going to a specific spot, but I'm going to go run around and look for a fish. I'll usually cruise the flat. I'll usually like doing a zigzag and look for my fish. And you know, when I'm going, I'll see one. Okay. Here's one. Here's two. Here's three. I go 50 yards, 60 yards. Here's one. Here's two. You know, my main thing is when I like to go fishing and sight casting, I like to count seven fish before I cut my motor. And I feel like that's kind of where you're going to find your most concentrated fish. Cause I'll go around and drive to places and I'll see four and stop and drive. And you see here one 30 yards, here's one 20 yards. And I just found it the most helpful whenever I'm scouting for fish or going to, to fish for redfish side casting that I'll drive around and, and look for those, uh, those potholes and, and concentrated fish. Yeah. Heck, heck yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I, and we had a discussion a couple of weeks back. I had some other fishing buddies from here on, and and two of us are very fast paced anglers. Myself, and my buddy Jeff. Like we want to, uh, we'll pull pretty darn quickly and bump a few fish until we feel like we're in the zone to to make it happen. Like I want to get to a high percentage area quickly, and then our mm-hmm. other two buddies they like to kind of milk the whole thing. So like they're going to get less shots overall for the day probably than we are usually, but their shots that they get are going to be every one of them, you know, is going to, none of them are going to be forfeited by the early on aggression and speed to get to the, you know, the, what I call the honey bucket, the area where the majority of the fish are. But, uh, yeah. and both there's there, I don't think either one are right or wrong. I think 
one can be right and one can be wrong for certain scenarios and certain days. But um, I like to kind of get to where I think it's going to be good. Because, I mean, especially where we are, we're so tidal. And a lot of the, the good sight fishing is based around tidal movements. And so you have windows of time in which a lot of the activity is going to happen. And so yeah. your time matters. You know, it's not like you've got all day. I mean, yeah. there's opportunity to sight fish all day, but you've got those those windows where you can really make it happen. And, and I think being a little more aggressive and kind of getting getting yourself right before, you know, instead of way, w- instead of easing your way through the whole flat, kind of find the hot spot, work that well, and then speed back up until you find the next hot spot. I don't know. There's really really no Actually, right or wrong. I'm on, I'm on the same page as you, Judd. I whenever I go fishing. Or, or at least when I'm sidecasting on my on my tower, um, I, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I'm I don't know if it's me being impatient or me just really wanting to put people on fish. And so you know, I'll I'll sit in a spot for for fifteen twenty minutes, and usually I can know right away. Okay, hey, look, I'm not seeing you know I can't see a current movement. Um, one, I'm not seeing a lot of bait moving. Uh, three, I'm not seeing as many fish as I'd like, and you know that's why I say there's a method to my madness. If you would ever go out with me, I'm, I'm like a little jackrabbit out there. I just, I keep <laughs> hopping around. So I find that, you know, that one sweet honey hole. Yeah. All you need is one, one little honey hole for the day and it usually will make it. I mean, pick one or two fish yeah. up here and there, and then you get your little hot spot for the day and, and that kind of can round it out pretty quickly. But, but yeah, I think yeah. it's, I think it's, you got to kind of di- different personalities are going to fish differently. You know what I mean? Like your, your slow methodical thinker is going to, pick everything apart like crazy i'm a little more like a jackrabbit like you like i want to ping pong off everything until i land in the right spot so (laughs) yep yep it's uh it's fun to kind of find find your own place but but yeah man well i'm uh i I would love to to do some more podcasts with you man that your area is just so cool and if you've never looked at that southern part of the texas coast over there i mean how far where, where you're fishing how far are you from the mexico border uh, actually we, we go to Progresso every now and then it's about a 15 minute drive when we get, uh, we get $2 beers and $2 tacos. That's awesome. So not yeah. far at all. Not far at all. And, actually, and go ahead. is the red fishing, how much further down the coast do those redfish consist? Like, do they live and can they be targeted? That makes sense. So actually our, our bait system ends right at our, uh, right at our, uh, jetty channel, okay. which is which is just on the south end after that it's uh, boca tica beach and there's there's south bay which is you know it's a very hit or miss spot okay you know it's good for snook and trout but our our bay system on the south end actually ends at south padre and then it, it works its way up north okay so there's really not you're not going to get into consistent redfish much further south of where y'all are on the coast exactly that's yeah. crazy. So y'all yeah. are the, y'all are the cutoff. It, it's kind of funny that, that the United States is kind of the cutoff there for him. Right. Uh, but, uh, but well, cool. Well, man, so many, so much good information. Uh, tell people if they want to get up with you, if they want to pick your brain about coming and fishing with you, how they can reach out to you and, and find you. Yeah. So you can, you can find me on the Instagram. It's captain C A P T dot Trevor Kusha. And if you, you know, you want to, reach out to me on my cell phone my number is 956-720-7421 whether you got information or questions about you know our fishery down here or just any tips or tricks just anyone feel free to to reach out to me i'd be glad to help awesome man and i will link all of trevor's information in the show notes below and um 
make it easy for y'all to be able to get up with him. But definitely go check out his Instagram because he's got some awesome slow-mo redfish, topwater eats, and tailing redfish. Just some really, really cool content. And just the, the flats that you're fishing on are so beautiful, which really helps make that content look, make, make those video clips look so cool. But man, <laughs> yep. I can't thank you enough for jumping on and doing the podcast. Uh, we'll have to do another one sometime, but uh, I do appreciate it. Man, Judd, I really appreciate you reaching out, man. It means a lot. Yeah, uh, for if you sure. ever want to do another podcast in the future, man, I'd love to just reach out to me and we'll get it done. We'll do it. I might have to get out there and do some fishing with you one day too. I was going to say, man, don't be shy to come down here. I'll, I'll take you uh, and show you the, the Mexico way too if, if you want it. Heck yeah, man. I would love it. I would love it. But uh, I do appreciate it. And, guys, thanks as always for checking out the Eastern Current Podcast. We will see you all next week. Later. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Made out of South Carolina. Carolina First Made is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.